Welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents. We are talking about reasons for God with Sean Miller. Which letter is it today? Well, it's part 10, letter E for experience. We got, uh, we're going to talk about religious experience, personal, sacramental, mystical, near death, and then get into a little bit of the other E for evil. And the experience <sighs> of evil can draw us into the experience of the good. You've had these experiences. Come join us and share some more. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, I am your host today, Peter Karutz. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. And we are here again with Sean Miller. Thank you, Sean, for being here. I'm glad to be here. We're talking about reasons for God again. But before I, we do, let me, let me just tell you a silly story. <laughs> so when my mom was old, you know, we're, my, her two sons are gone. She's living alone in the, in the big house, and in, this, in her big old house. And she would go out to, on her excursions. You know, I call it the pilgrimage to the bank, right, because it was kind of a long trip, especially with someone that didn't drive. And anyway, she, she came back from the grocery store this particular day, bank and grocery store, and, and she was worried about us. For whatever reason, you've heard it, your, your, her heart was troubled. And she came in the house, and she went over to this little corner of the living room where she had all the pictures of, of, of her sons and grand, grandchildren. And the, light, the lamp was on. And she said to herself and told us, I didn't leave the lamp on. And it was God's way of telling me, it's okay. And you know what? I, I, I don't know whether she left the lamp on, and I don't know whether God created a little miracle, but you know what? You know, he did create the universe <laughs> out of nothing, and you and me, and, and, and all of creation, and, and I think he loves my mom. I think he loved my mom at that time. And you know what? If a little lamp turning on could give her peace, wouldn't he do it? <laughs> Is it possible? Of course, yeah. Well, we're talking about experiences of God, and uh, we're going to be kind of breaking it down in various ways. But yeah, I think uh, we all have brushes with God. It's a sign that, hey, I'm, I'm here, I'm with you, etc. cetera. So um so just to kind of recap where we've been, I mean, this is a Reasons for God Part 10. 10! <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm going through an, an acronym, JUMPED, J-U-M-P-E-D. And so um, we're on the letter E. It's going to stand for like experience. Uh-huh. And then the experience of God, also the experience of evil, and then how that relates to another E, exorcism. But, you know, if you recall, <clears throat> I kind of started this whole thing out with the whole Indiana Jones and Last Crusade scene, where he's at that last trial and he has to take, quote, the leap of faith. So we're using this acronym JUMPED, kind of like to think about, like, you know, you you want to jump, help jump people in, into into faith, so to speak, to, to take the, the pledge. It's a, it's, it's a experience based upon reason, but... 
Even if you don't get to faith, hopefully it'll it'll jumpstart your engine or jumpstart a conversation. But part of the reason why I like memory aids is because if I'm talking to someone and we're talking about, you know, tell me why you think there's a God, et cetera, you can kind of recall this memory aid yeah, and just these various points and say, this is a cumulative case here. It's pretty That's awesome. Right. Yeah, and there's a lot of reasons and a lot of good ammunition. But as you're saying, let's be well prepared when we're confronted with these questions. But... Um, Sean, before we start, we're always supposed to start with a prayer, and I'm going to ask you if you could uh, come up with one here instantaneously we'll for yeah. us. Well, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Father, in all these talks, we invoke your your presence to send the Spirit for all those who hear those present and into the future. Uh, you know what we need to hear, so we pray that these words go out to all these various soils in, in souls, and uh, we pray that you would let this word be planted and for it to bear fruit. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the feast of the, is it the nativity of... Uh, of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the visitation, etc. Well, the John the Baptist is the feast of John the Baptist. So very cool. Yeah, so I have a relic of him here in, in studio. And, um, you know, so like my name is Sean, which is kind of the, another version of, of, of the name John. So he's my patron. So I, I was thinking this morning on the way in, though, like, if you ask John the Baptist... Have you ever experienced God? <laughs> You'd be like, it'd be interesting what, what he would say. Or even if you asked the Lord that, you know, at what angle would they come from? You know, would it be a direct revelation? Because I think, you know, as we talk about an experience of God, I think a lot of people default to some kind of a mystical, supernatural uh, transfiguration moment. Obviously, when the Lord was transfigured, he experienced God, but he, he himself was was God. But like for the people that saw that scene, Peter, James, and John, that was a Rocky Mountain High. And I think a lot of people kind of see like, well, <clears throat> I've never experienced God because I haven't had those transfiguration moments. And oftentimes we can use the letter E for emotion. And we think, unless I have kind of a goosebump, a warm fuzzy, or something physiological, uh, I'm not experiencing, you know, God. But anyways, <clears throat> we're going to talk about that as we get into it. But just recall the letters, uh, you know, j- jumped, right? J, we, we talked about the Jews. We talked about Jesus. U, we talked about the universe. We talked about universal consent. M, we talked about morality. We talked about miracles. P, we talk about Pascal, Pascal's wager, and yeah. then prophecy. And then last time we included biblical typology. So now we're on the letter E for experience and uh, of evil. So obviously, if you have experienced God is real, <laughs> then it's a good sign that, in fact, he is real. So, you know, God made us, right? If you recall the Baltimore Catechism, remember? Why did God make you? Uh, to uh, love and serve him in this world and so that we can be happy with him forever in the next. Yeah, and, but it begins us to know yeah. love and serve him. So yeah. it's like it's great when, when you think about like, like the opening text of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It quotes John 17, 3. It says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ you have sent. So that first thing is about knowledge. You know, knowledge, another term for that is really, it's, it's really like intimacy. It says, Adam knew Eve and she conceived. So knowledge is, you know, that intimacy, that experiential thing. So God wants us to know him because you can't love what you don't know. And we're right. all made for love. So it's like, to know God, he wants to obviously give us an experience, and we're going to talk about what, what that is. But I love it when you think about the Holy Trinity, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's like they've attributed, you know, God the Father like creation, God the Son with, you know, 
is like creation Christ conscience, kind of like outside, beside, inside. That's how God kind of reveals himself to us. And it's kind of like <clears throat> if you look at these three great transcendentals, you know, the true, the good, and the beautiful. It's like the beautiful God the Father, the true God the Son, the good God the Holy Spirit. So all these transcendentals, we're going to kind of break those down in, in ways that we kind of experience God. So I, I have these different forms of uh, <clears throat> like aesthetic experience, personal religious experience, sacramental experience, mystical experience, and then near-death experience. A lot of people who witness to these near-death have an encounter with God. So that's what we're going to be breaking down as we get together here today, various ways. How do I understand the experience of God? Because he obviously wants us all to experience him, to know him, and to recognize the fact. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we can live a large part of our lives never thinking that we have, quote, experienced him because I think maybe our view of what an experience of God is maybe could be... Um, how do I say not fully the big picture here? It's not, not not the full picture. Because if we think the experience of God is a Moses moment, or again, a transfiguration moment, or some out-of-body ecstasy yep. moment, then you know we could be missing the ordinary moments that are with us every day. And that's what I was going to say. These, these moments uh, are not going to be experienced at all unless you're open to the possibility. Yeah. Right? If you open yourself to the possibility, you, you'll have these... These moments, I, I, just before the program, I was talking about my, my wife and daughters. They talk about God instances, mm -hmm. or um, um, and and those are little things. Those are little itty bitty things. Those are uh, experiences that are not life changing, but they're smile making. Absolutely, right? Yeah. You have a little experience. As well, boy, that's not a coincidence. It's a God instance, and you smile. Yeah. You think we're. You know, we're living in God's presence. Well, we talked last time about, you know, biblical typology and these patterns that run from the Old Testament to the New. But, you know, really everybody's life, we all have a story and God kind of, you know, repeats himself in patterns throughout our own life journey. And if we can recognize those patterns, coincidences, coincidences and we can kind of connect our prayer with the answer and we see the pattern are these things that happen, it should be obvious that we're always, you know, he, he knows us, he's aware of us, et cetera. He's not left us alone and orphans. And that's really the gift of what the Spirit is. But I kind of want to start off talking about, you know, really like God the Father who is attributed with creation. So really the aesthetic experience, you know, um, the wonder and awe at the beauty of creation. So I always like to quote this. We've talked about this before. It's Christophanic on the series called The Search. It's on form.org. And in one of the shows, he says, I think we're the first era in history to have so many people say, God, if you're really there, why don't you reveal yourself to us? And he says, I think God is looking down and saying, do you not notice everything? You know, so it's like, look around. I mean, let's get out of the asphalt and concrete and buildings and maybe look out a little bit at nature and just see the uh, beauty. Unfortunately, if we're kind of in this man-made structure life, we can kind of lose sight of this wonder and awe of the beauty of creation ar around us. I mean, from from you know lions and tigers and bears, oh my, to just the beauty of sunsets, to less, like, you know, when you look up and look out and you see, <clears throat> you know, the grandeur of the cosmos, I mean, the heavens declare the glory of God. So the sun, the moon, the earth, the stars, all this beauty. And, you know, obviously if we've read anything about science and, you know, biology, we should say this is exquisitely, elegantly, beautifully, orderly made. It's an elegant machine of love and life here that's created this world. But then you go down from, from the telescope to the microscope to the cell and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is 
unbelievably exquisite. But then you just kind of then go back up to the surface level and you think about just the miracle of of our persons, mm-hmm. you know, life, one another relationships. I, I think about marriage, you know, marital bond, marital intimacy, the fruit that comes from that in the gift of, of a child, the miracle of a child. I mean, how many people do you know who like have seen our experienced birth and they're like, this has got to be God that came from this act. And I always love this. I love one of my favorite conversion stories is uh, Jennifer Fulwiler. She was yeah. an atheist right. who you know came full full in, you know fully into the faith, and uh, she really talked about how when she had her first baby, it really uh, started to intensify these longings that you know there must be something greater here because this is not a mere grab bag of atoms. When she looks down and sees her child, and then she saw her own love that you have for this child. You're willing to give everything up to protect this baby. So you think about that Psalm 139, for you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Yeah, and and our Lord Lord loved us from the moment of creation. And isn't it so... You know, well, I guess I was going to say wiser, apropos, but it, that's the way he made it. But in many ways, God uh, gives us an understanding of him as relationship, mm-hmm. right? And when we as men become fathers as well, we understand that great love that maybe God has for us, but just yeah. so much more intently. I remember I, my, my mother uh, wrote me a note after my first child was born, and it said just this, now you understand. <laughs> it's the truth, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and that's, there is something about it, it is true. There is a like a, a, a new sense that kicks in when you see your child and it's entrusted to your care. Right. You know, it, and it, we it, don't know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, it came through us, but not from us. <laughs> but then now we have a, 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 this gift of responsibility, but, you know, God attaches the great love and sacrificial love for this child. So, but yeah, I mean, again, when you think of a, of, of a child, and it's, think of our own persons, you know, like uh, when we're talking about, you know, just the miracle of life in other sessions, you know, you think about here we are in God's image, and if you look at just the, the, the quote, the parts of the body, namely like, like the center crown jewel, the, the brain, they say a, a piece of brain tissue the size of a grain of sand contains 100,000 neurons and a billion synapses all communicating with each other. It's to highlight the elegance, the wonders of the human body. I mean, at one point in time, I was studying to become a chiropractor and have these charts of just the muscular system, the respiratory system, the skeletal, you know, vascular, nervous. And you're like, wow, wow. You know, you look in a mirror, you look at the eye, and you're just like unbelievably complex. So like the line says, if you don't believe in miracles, perhaps you've forgotten that you are one. That's right. (laughs) You know? So, and the one thing that goes to that is the fact is that, you know, as believers, we believe God created out of nothing. That means for creation to still exist, God has to still sustain us in being. So that means if God would ever stop thinking of us, we would cease to be. So you think about the Willie Nelson line, you were always on my mind. (laughs) For all you country music fans, that's a fact. If he was not always on our mind, we would cease to be. Yeah. So God is closer to us than we can possibly imagine. So that experiential foundation should lie at the core of like he is, again, I'm experiencing him constantly whether I realize it 
consciously mm-hmm. or not. Our next breath is dependent upon God's <laughs> will. He loves us and is always thinking about us. So this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Krutz, and we are well into it with uh, <laughs> Reasons for God, Part 10 with Sean Miller. Yeah, so one of the things I said before is that we're like the old B.J. Thomas song, I'm, I'm Hooked on a Feeling. Yeah. You know, I, I always joke with the priest that I work with there that, uh, you know, like like he's he's sugar, I'm, I'm, I'm salt. You know, he's more like emotional. He calls me like Spock, you know, like, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm, but I mean, I'm like, you, you, you have to have both head and heart involved in the situation. But I think, again, like when people talk, they, you don't hear people say as much like, I think. They say, I feel. Right, right. So it's right. more of, of an emotional angle rather than kind of a rational one. Not saying that they're not thinking rationally, but oftentimes I think our verbiage, we're, we're much more of an emotional led by appetites, passions, angers, rages, et cetera, rather than kind of a cool-headed intellectual approach. So again, we need kind of both. It's like they say on the Star Trek, you need Kirk, Bones, and Spock to kind of round out the human personages of, of what, uh, you know, how to approach reality. But um, like I say, if if you characterize religious experience by goosebumps, you know, like how many times have you said, I mean, <laughs> over the years I've always kind of laughed whenever I've told a story, because I always love telling stories about the miracles or, you know, signs and wonders. And then people who you know, I've talked to, they'll say, oh my gosh, I just got goosebumps, you know? And I think that's good. It can be an indicator, but it's like we shouldn't let our faith rely solely on feelings. It's got to involve facts too and 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 other data, but it made me think of the story. I was watching an interview. So uh, <clears throat> there's a show called Socrates in the City. There's a guy named huh. Eric Metaxas. He was interviewing um, Peter Hitchens, who was the brother of Christopher Hitchens, who was the well-known atheist. So Christopher is the atheist. Peter is the believer. He wrote a book called Rage Against God about why people are atheists. <laughs> but but he they're both from England, you know? And so um, this book is called The Rage Against God, How Atheism Led Me to Faith. So as he was being interviewed about this, um, he, he said that, he goes, some people say to me sometimes, have you had any religious experiences? He jokes and says, I say, good heavens, no, I'm British. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> no. like, you know, like, like, you know, we're prim and proper. We don't, we don't go there emotionally, so to speak. But, but then he, he, he qualifies it. He goes, but on the other hand, I will say that the whole of life is a religious experience. And that's what I hope to communicate here today, too, is that, you know, really, we got to open up our eyes, our hearts and minds to kind of recognize the fact that it's not just in these rocky high moments, but really the whole of life when you get down to it is religious because, again, God's holding us into being. He's communicating to us all the time. It's like, Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, to recognize it. Yeah, and, and I got to tell you, I think most many people, and maybe I'm similar to that, you know, I, I'm doing my stuff, right? Uh, I, I say my rosary, I go to Mass, you know, I'm doing the exercises that I need to do yeah. to build my spiritual life, read spiritual books, read the scripture, listen to buy, uh, catechism in a year. I mean, it sounds like I'm just doing things. Yeah. I'm feeding the mind. Right. But sometimes you need to do that to be prepared for those m- emotional moments as well. Yeah. Yeah. And let me, let me just uh, ask our listeners. Try and think of a time. I mean, we, we're all doing that, right? Many of us who are listening to this. And, and we should, right? We should do that. But think of those times, those instances where, where you might make a prayer that is, you know, completely heartfelt, selfless. You know, you might be in an uncontrollable, broken spot. 
and you feel God's presence. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that every day. We're not going to feel that every day. But they're there, and they sustain us. And there may be long, long periods of time where we don't feel that. And what we do need to be aware of are the small things, mm-hmm. right? Every, every experience with God is not the profound, as you said, Moses on the mountain moment. Open your heart to the little ones, too. Yeah, and you know what, what's interesting is like I, I think the Lord does give us all those some key Rocky Mountain yeah. High moments, and I think they can sustain people for, for life, too. Sure. I, I remember we, we took uh, a bunch of kids every year. Like when I first started working at the, at the church, I was working with youth stuff, and I remember this one year we took a trip, and then it was during adoration at the Steubenville Conference, and this one guy was there, uh, one of the kids in our group, and he was kneeling on his knees for like two or three hours and didn't move. And I thought, you know, it was like he was in, you know, it's like physically the average person could handle it. Well, anyways, come to find out, he had a real mystical experience where he saw all of the Lord's life in some kind of a vision of sorts. Wow. And um, so he didn't come to talk to me about it until like a week or two afterwards. And he was real nervous. He goes, Sean, I got to talk to you about something, you know, and then... uh, and then he goes, right away, he goes, I don't want to be a priest. I don't want to be a priest. I don't want to be a priest. Because <laughs> he thought that the, the, the experience he had, because he later went on to share with me all what it was. So again, from the Lord's birth, his life, his death, he saw these scenes, and the Lord was really speaking to him right. in a mystical experience. But he thought that he had to interpret that as, then I'm called to the religious life. Right. And I said, look, I have no idea what this means for your right. life. I said, but you know, sometimes people can be given these for the whole of their lives. But it, it probably means something that maybe you'll understand later on. But I, what I've come to realize now is I think oftentimes people who get mystical encounters, it's that they're usually called to a greater mission right. or to endure a greater suffering. Much power comes much responsibility. You know, and so it's it's really wild that this this boy, you know, like within a, a few weeks got some kind of an illness. He was in the hospital for six months. Really. So it's just kind of interesting that, that he was given this certain grace, you know, but it could be there to sustain him his whole life. So don't you think that we all have got moments like that we can sure provide we do. to say, yeah. right now I'm in a, a valley, but I can recall the hill. Right, right. And that moment can sustain me. It's kind of like why the Lord showed him the transfiguration moment before he showed him in the Garden of Olives in, in the agony. It's like they were able to kind of endure that. So uh, again, these these experiences, and, and I think they're not just for us, like typically... One of the things I think we got to, you know, be aware of is that, you know, I may not have an immediate personal direct experience that I say, "Wow, look at this," but I, I can, I have read thousands of people who've had such encounters, and who they were given this because they can share it with others. So I think we're often meant to learn through the testimony and experience of others. I may not have seen the resurrected Christ in the first century, but I can talk to somebody who did. You know, like if you've been to any modern apparition sites, you know, they're still maybe undergoing investigation. Maybe you don't experience it, but maybe they have, and their testimony is key. Like, I've never been to Jupiter. You know, I've never been to Bulgaria. <laughs> but but I've read about those who either take pictures of it or who've been there. So I can believe something is real without having a direct and immediate experience of it. And I think that's key. I mean, again, all these people throughout history who've had these great signs and wonders, and I'm going to speak about them again, they can kind of give testimony, sure which they is do. key. Yeah. So um, I love this. There's an article called 12 Ways to Know and Experience God. This is by Dr. Peter Crave. And just look at these kind of simple ways. So like, first, Christ himself. You know, um, there was this lady at the parish. She went through RCA. A few weeks back, she shared the story with me that like, um, 
you know, she had converted and the readings that morning were light. She started going to daily mass, you know, and so this, you know, Eucharistic faith is all new, but she's experiencing it. The readings were about light. She goes, I go up to receive, you know, and it kind of her heart was there. She goes back to her seat. The light is shining from the windows right where she was sitting at. She goes, oh, that's interesting. So she sits down and she goes, and I feel a hand on my shoulder. And, and, and I, and she goes, and it was tangible. And I was like, so what, what'd you think? Was it, you know, angel, saint, spirit? She goes, I think it was Jesus. Just a little small assurance that I'm with you. You know, so sometimes people can have little brushes like that. Again, brushes with God, little moments to say hi. So again, you know, Jesus himself, uh, experienced the Lord through, through the church, you know, just the teachings of the church, the scriptures, nature, art, conscience, reason, your own story, you know, your life story, all the patterns, coincidences in your life, other stories. You know, he talks about the saints reveal God, our ordinary daily experience of doing God's will. I mean, doing the right thing, you know, virtue is its own reward. You can see God. I always love that line, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. So it's like just doing the right thing, trying to stay pure in heart and body. You know, you can kind of recognize the experience that this is the, this is the good. This is right. This is a better, quote, feeling than if you are just using and abusing. And then obviously, you know, prayer. And I think of prayer in terms of like primarily silence. You know, like I love that line that C.S. Lewis said that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pains. You know, he yeah, talks about pain right. as God's megaphone yeah. to rouse a deaf world. But God can speak to us there too through through sufferings. But in conscience and in silence, I think that's kind of like the the ordinary means where everybody kind of comes to recognize him. And unfortunately, we're in a, in a very busy world. It, it wants to keep the passions and rage and anger stirred up. It's kind of an anti-science or silence world. It's more science and less silence. And I think we, we got to recognize the fact that we, we got to kind of step aside, get back into these ways that Peter Kripp, you know, just said, nature, art, conscience, yeah. listening, reason, study. You, you said something, and it, and it slipped by. I Maybe just revisit it. One of the great ways that God can speak to us is in our pain. And, and maybe that goes both ways. I think it was uh, Fulton Sheen who past the hospital and said, look at all the wasted suffering in there. Yeah. Suffering is never wasted. And so, you know, I think it's Colossians one twenty four that I really love. Mm -hmm. uh, John Paul used it in his encyclical in one of the opening statements in um, uh, uh, on human suffering, salvific dolores. Mm -hmm. And it says something like, um, Paul says, I rejoice in the suffering of my body for you, the church, because it makes up what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. Mm -hmm. And and it's difficult to tell somebody who's in pain and who is suffering that this is your time to really communicate, yeah. to really pray and be and, and, and have those have the doors wide open uh, to, to that relationship mm -hmm. with our Lord. But and, and maybe it's time to talk about that while we're not in pain and we're not suffering and we're not in, in a desperate circumstance. But think about it. When you are, if that moment comes to you, when you are in these horrible, terrible, painful emotional or physical points in your life, that's an opportunity. That's yeah. an opportunity to, one, hang your sufferings on the cross with our Lord. But more importantly, that line of communication is wide open at that moment. Tell him anything you want. He's going to hear you because you can't think of anything else but that prayer. Well, that's the music, and we're going to be taking a short break. So please... Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everyone you know that we're talking about reasons for God. 
they should tune in here as well. What a gift you're going to give them. Um, and we are on E experience mm -hmm. and we've been very positive up until now <laughs> but when you started this you said it was e for experience but you also said for evil are we going to get to evil we're going to get to it we're going to get to evil so we'll be right back two minutes tell your friends join us and we'll talk about experience and evil Hi, this is Matt Logaman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and seven medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. E-R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally, located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Well, we're back. We were chit-chatting over here. This is St. Louis, um, Missouri. Where was I? <laughs> This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, and I'm your host, Peter Karutz. We are with Sean Miller, and we're talking about reasons for God. And we're on e-experience, and boy, do we have a lot to go through. Yeah, so I talked about kind of this article that Peter Crave gave, 12 Ways to Know God, and I went through those. But I, I want to mention sacramental experience. This yeah. is what often we receive daily. I mean, think about the, the gift of baptisms, anointings, confirmations, marriages, this, these moments where you have either witnessed or personally experienced and, and how they're just moments of God's presence and joy. But then, obviously, the ultimate E, the top of the I chart, is the Eucharist, is that receiving the Lord, you know, in, in this encounter at the sacrifice of the Mass is something just is really uh, beautiful. How many people have had encounters where after reception, they're, they're alone in, in the pew, they have these just beautiful encounters of God's peace, His joy, His presence, I am with you in the midst of your pain that he's present in life. So I think we never should take that for granted. You know, regardless, it's like you have an objectively, you know, infallibly, uh, you know, um, promoted, guided, guarded teaching that Christ is present in the Eucharist and so that we should be assured that whether we get the warm fuzzy <laughs> or get a goosebump or get some kind of a whatever, 
His presence is there, and that's part of our ordinary gift of life. But then, you know, I was thinking about another um, E is for the scriptural experience. And think of all the times that we've read scripture where we'll get some insight, some connection, some some uh, link between our daily life and answer to our prayer, our, our heart's desire that comes off the page in scripture. I mean, uh, right away, I go to <clears throat> St. Augustine of Hippo when he was trying to transform his life. And remember, he had that scene where he read, you know, he was out and there was the scriptures were there and then he heard a little angel's voice that say pick up and read pick up and read and then you know his eyes went to the page Romans 13:13 13, 13, which basically says you know give up the desires of the flesh and kind of change your life so moments like that can be really some powerful encounters i've certainly had those over the years and um you know, sometimes a scripture that you might read forever all of a sudden kind of just jumps off the page and you're like that's what i want you to see so, you know, I think we've probably had moments like that. I mean, I've heard, certainly had moments like that in, 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 in prayer. Again, little signs that here I am, little brushes to kind of help confirm, you know, because we all need little jolts of grace to kind of keep us, you know, in, in the game, so to speak. But then I want to mention about the mystical experiences. You know, I, I think a lot of people have these mystical experiences, and so many of, of the saints throughout history have had those. And I, like I said before, it seems as if God will give a greater intensity of experience of him for those who have a greater mission or suffering or both and in life. I mean, right away, my wife just got back from a trip to go see uh, St. Padre Pio's place, you know. And here's a man that had uh, a certainly 50 years of carrying the stigmata in, a, in, this, in these mystical wounds that were physically present. Because, I mean, look, he's probably one of the most influential saints in history. I would say probably the most influential saint in history is probably St. Paul. Yeah. And, you know, this past week we've been reading about his life and what he had to endure for the Lord. Talk about experience of suffering. He talked about getting uh, whipped and yeah, shipwrecked sure. and stone left for dead and, you know, this threat of death constantly. But he had, right, the Damascus experience. Mm-hmm. The Lord appeared to him and said, you know. And so I think while we all might like that and want that, we typically don't want the pain and suffering that accompanies that, Right. which is what you think about the stigmata was. We think about all these great saints who experienced the Lord, you know, from uh, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Francis of Assisi, um, St. Faustina, Mother Teresa, St. Margaret Mary Alaco. Uh, remember, like, one of the great saints of the teaching saints, talk about a great mission was St. Thomas Aquinas. So here's a super intellect. But then we know that, you know, at the end of his life, he considered all his writings as a, as a straw because of some great revelatory experience that he had with, with the Lord. So it's like once he had that encounter, it's like, you know. I'm just scratch the surface. Yeah, nothing really yeah. matters. In terms of a modern-day saint, we think about Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. right? She got that locution or mystical encounter with Jesus where basically he told her, what he wanted her to do with her life to found and to love the poor. And, uh, you know, but we know from her later writings, I think it was a book called Come Come Be My Light, you know, that she had 50 years of just lack of consolation. So she was given, quote, you would say a Rocky Mountain High Transfiguration experience, but at the same time, she had to undergo all these years of desolation. So that's hard to hang on, you know. But... Um, I always love, there's a great book out there called Honey from the Rock, and it's 16 Jews Find the Sweetness of Christ. This is by Roy Shulman. Roy Shulman. And yeah. one of the guys in there is Alphonse Radisbon. So 
he basically was challenged uh, to do a little test to say, all right, you don't believe, put this around your neck. And it was a miraculous medal. Really? And then lo and behold, he's given a vision of the Blessed Virgin. I think he was at Lourdes. I, I kind of forget that. But, but he saw her, you know, and uh, he basically, his whole life changed and he became a, a priest. And his, his life just affected so many. And I think of all those people who've had these encounters, these apparitions, these visions. Obviously, think about Guadalupe, mm-hmm. Juan Diego, Fatima, Lucia Jacinta and Francisco, Lord, St. Bernadette. You know, all these Marian apparitions throughout history. Even the one that we had in was recognized in 2010 in, in Wisconsin here in the, in the States. But then, you know, again, all these, you know, apparitions past, present going on. And it's like these are people who testify that they've seen Mary or Jesus or, or one of the saints. But, you know, kind of going back to St. Thomas Aquinas. Remember our last talk, we talked about uh, Pascal's wager. Right. You know, so that was Blaise Pascal. And so he has, he, he wrote these writings, they're called the Ponces, meaning his writings, and they, they gathered these, and that's where in, in the midst of these notes, he's got his famous wager. But one night he records this. It was the year 1650, uh, November 23rd, 1654. Now this is in, in his notes. He, he says he had an experience from about half past 10 in the evening until half past midnight. So for about two hours he has this encounter. And this is how he writes. He says, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars. Certainty, certainty, heartfelt joy, peace. God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, joy, 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 tears of joy. And this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's what he wrote about this experience that lasted for two hours. So of all the writings he wrote... <clears throat> He said he wrote this down, and he kept it sewn into his coat pocket. He kept it close to his heart physically at all times because he kept it close to his heart spiritually at all times. So, I mean, again, that's a talk about a, an encounter. But, again, you know, his, his writings have really affected the world. And like I said before, all of us want, might, might want an encounter like this, but, you know, you think about the 12 apostles. You know, they experience the Lord daily, but, you know, would you say – you can experience the risen Christ, uh, but there's one caveat. You're going to have to get you know, crucified upside down. You're going to have to get your skin fl- flayed alive. You're going to have to have your head cut off. Would you do it? You're like, you know, or would you say, don't give that to me because I'm afraid I'd say, I don't know the man. You know. Yeah. So again, remember Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required. Remember that that was kind of echoed in the movie Spider Man, Uncle Ben to Peter Parker. Peter, with remember, with great power comes great responsibility. That's right. Yeah. So uh, there was a modern guy. I don't know if you ever heard of him. His name is Marino Restrepo. Nope, don't know him. He was a Hollywood writer and actor who was kidnapped by Colombian rebels. Oh boy. And they sought ransom money for him, and they 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 put him in a cave for six months. He he thought he was going to be killed at any time, but uh, during this moment, so this is a guy worldly, totally soaked in the world, but they thought, hey, we can get this guy and use him for money. But then while he was in this cave, again, with bats, bat dung, totally dark, he's given a mystical encounter of the Lord, a series of revelations. And then the Lord said, I want you to share this message with the world. And so that's what he's been doing ever since that encounter. So like we heard him speak back in 2010, and he he says, you know, just to let you all know, 
that uh, we all might want to be, have these mystical in- encounters. But again, he goes, when I meet the Lord face to face, I have no excuse for the flesh. I've seen. <laughs> you know, so I, I have more accountability and responsibility. But so it was a great grace that led to his conversion. But then it also is a responsibility. So again, it's like the Lord, you know, I pray that whatever experiences you give me, that I, I can give an account for what you ask me to be responsibly to do. Because you're not everybody can handle a mission to the world like that, even if they're given this this great grace. But again, again, you know, I, I think of all these testimonies of conversion. I mean, how many conversion stories have you heard over the years? Amazing. But then I read this one book, and this priest had said he was, um, you know, talking to one of these skeptics, and he goes, he goes, let me appeal to personal experience for a moment. He said, I know literally hundreds of people who have turned their lives around thanks to a religious conversion. I know men and women who have become faithful spouses, overcome vices, learned to become responsible citizens thanks to a discovery and experience of God in their lives. He goes, let's turn the question around. How many people do you know who have overcome alcoholism or or pornographic addictions, stopped cheating on their spouses, or become more concerned and dedicated parents because they discovered atheism? It simply doesn't happen. Atheism offers no incentive to become better or less selfish. So his point is like saying like, you know, Jesus is still alive. He's still moving. He's still shocking people. He's still like, you know, I mean, this book, Jesus Shocked by Peter Crape. He's like, you know, um, Jesus Shock proves that Jesus is alive. He says, only a live wire can shock you. And Jesus still shocks today as he did then. So again, we talk about how he shocked a person like St. Augustine of Hippo. Modern times, you know, I, I was thinking about uh, Father Don Calloway. Oh, sure. You know, Great who was kind of like, yeah, I mean, this is a guy... He was an ex-druggie, ex-criminal. Now he's a surfer priest. But I remember listening to his conversion story, and he was living on macaroni and marijuana in the woods for months at a time. And you know, and then now he's a Catholic priest. So it's like if you've never heard a story about what God can do through 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 grace, that 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 is one. So Father Don Calloway, uh, his talk is called "No Turning Back," but. Um, you know, great, great story. And then, you know, just recently, you think about the series Duck Dynasty, the guy, Phil Robertson, he's the patriarch of, of the family. I was just listening to an interview with his son the other day, Jace. They, they got this new show out about treasure hunting or something. But he's like, Jace said, yeah, dad was horrible growing up at first. But then, you know, Christ changed his life. And he said, I witnessed that transformation. He goes, it's a real deal. You know, you just can't make that happen on on your own. Think about guys like, uh, speaking of videos and things, like the Case for Christ series, Mm -hmm. Lee Strobel. They got a movie. I'd recommend that movie to everybody. But, you know, Lee Strobel himself, his own personal conversion. His daughter said how, Daddy, I saw you change. So I want to be like that. Listen to a great show a couple weeks ago. Johnny Cash, we mentioned Will Nelson earlier. Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. It's a fabulous story. Here's a guy who basically was doing great, but then he got hooked on drugs, up and down. He wanted to die, had this encounter with the Lord, and then uh, uh, changed his life. He became best friends with Billy Graham, <clears throat> did all these crusades, and had this you know show on TV. And you just see this redemption. about, And, and then he always sang gospel songs. So this beautiful story about, about you know somebody who kind of went from very religious as a boy to kind of then uh, got, got into the whole scene with the music, but then changed his life. And then now this new movie that came out, George Foreman, 
It's called, I haven't seen it. It's yet. called The Big George Foreman. I don't know if you've ever heard, heard of his story. A little bit, yeah. But basically, after he after he got beat by Muhammad Ali, you know, uh, he thought he was going to knock him out in the first couple of rounds. But then he tried to get back to get this title fight, and then he, he, he lost this guy. I don't know where he was at, but he was in some dirty locker room over in some other country. And he had a near-death experience, and he met the Lord. It's like he showed him what he could have chose was nothing. And then after that experience, and again, he's, he talks about it, and it's, it's in, in this movie. He said he was, after that experience, he goes, I didn't even shadow box for 10 years. He said, I gave my whole life to Christ and then, uh, you know, just lived and became a preacher. Yeah. He only got back into boxing when he wanted to make some money to help support his charitable right. work. And then he did pretty well. <laughs> I think he got the title again. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? We're, we're, don't, don't misunderstand. Don't think that you're, you're going to be hit with a bolt of lightning. Sometimes you have to decide, I'm going to make a step. I'm going to try and make a, a difference. In, in Thomas Akempa's book, one of the lines says, just imagine if once a year you changed one of your vices into a virtue. Now, don't, right. don't assume that's you doing it. It's God. But you got to participate. Yeah. You have to say yes. You have to keep that door open. Yeah. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> that's what I love about it is that I think once we get a little taste of God and we and we act upon it, it's like He'll He'll give us a little bit more if if, if we respond. Yeah, and right. A little bit more if we respond, you know, and a little bit more if we respond. Yeah. So it seems as if the Lord slowly, lovingly invites us to Himself. I mean, He's a, He's a gentleman. You know, I always love that scene that you know, oftentimes He doesn't. I mean, He, he doesn't tinker with free will. You know, it's like almost like remember the the. the um, the picture where Jesus is knocking on, on the door. With no handle. Right. So it's got to be opened up from the inside. Right. Now, sometimes, like in the upper room, he'll come through closed doors. Sure. <laughs> you know, and he'll, he'll make things happen. But typically, he doesn't tinker with it because he respects human responsibility, human free will. Yeah. And he, he invites us. Yeah. And that's the difference. You know, the, the door without the handle is you have to open it from the inside. I got it. But sometimes... A lot of the time, all the time, our Lord loves us, and He will meet us where we're at. Yeah. He'll if you slam the door in His face, He'll He'll respect it. But He 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 loves us enough to be with us. This is Saint Joseph Radio presents coming to you live from Saint Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host Peter Kruitz, and this is Sean Miller, and we're talking about reasons for God. I don't know if we're going to get to evil. We're going to we're going to give it a shot here. So basically, <laughs> um, you know, near death experiences. You know, like George Froman had this little brief one, but like I think of all the people, they say that near death experiences are reported by an estimated two hundred thousand Americans a year. A year. Yeah, and studies around the world suggest that NDEs, as they're called, are a common human experience. Now, there's there's a ton of great books about this. You know, this used to be considered like a fringe, uh, it's whatever, but now there's a a, a lot of um, doctors who are who are really you know basically promoting their findings, and they're seeing that there's in doctors' experiences across the globe, this is kind of a common theme. One of the books uh, you might consider Life After Death, The Evidence with Dinesh D'Souza, Life After Life with Raymond Moody, Evidence of the Afterlife by Dr. Jeffrey Long, Proof of Heaven by Dr. Evan Alexander, and then this one I really like, it's called After by uh, Dr. Bruce Grayson. So uh, he, he had an experience himself with some patient who basically <laughs> there was no way that this patient could have known certain things unless he had some kind of out-of-body experience, you know. But I'll let you uh, read about that. But it's interesting, too, when I've read these stories that, like, um, that I heard that it said that 80% of blind people who undergo a near-death experience report that they were able to see for the first time they can see colors. 
even wow. though they're blind. Now that's just a, there's all kinds of interesting stories here, but you know, <clears throat> in past years you, you might have heard of like this this show Heaven is for Real sure. with that little boy. There's one called 90 Minutes in Heaven. Right. A lot of great stuff, you know, um but it's interesting that people who report these, it's not always again this warm fuzzy light, I'm all loved, it's glowing, etc. Sometimes people experience uh, some serious bad things like there's a book out there called To Hell and Back by Maurice Rawlings, MD. You know, he kind of like talks about some of these um, people who haven't had a positive experience. There's one great book called My Descent into Death by a guy named Howard Storm, who uh, basically did not have a positive experience. Um, but it, it changed his life. We were talking during the break of this one priest who had, his name is Father Stephen Shire, who had this experience, and it was not pretty. Uh, but he was kind of in a, an awakening to then change his life. So, you know, sometimes I think the experience of the darkness and the evil, now we're into the e for evil in these last few minutes, is that, you know, many people come to the light after they experience darkness and evil. I mean, we've mentioned like Father Don Calloway, remember Johnny Cash, all, all these folks who, historically who've had these, you know, very, you know, they, they've lived almost an evil life. Like one, one person said, he said, uh, I guess I accepted Satan's existence, he said, before I accepted God's. I mean, sometimes don't you think it's like until you're in the darkness, you don't even really appreciate or even long for the light. But when you're in the middle of it, you'd be like, something is is not here that's supposed to be here. We, we know that, you know, darkness is the absence of light, so evil is the absence of good. And sometimes only when you experience that do you kind of really then appreciate it. Like I always like how the, the word E-V-I-L, the, the opposite of that is L-I-V-E. So you got really, you know, one way you live and you're in the light, the, the other way it's evil and you're in the dark. So in terms of like dealing directly with evil... <laughs> You know, uh, we got some priests out there called exorcists. We know sure. that Christ himself was an exorcist. Of course. But that, you know, talk about people who say, you know, I'm dealing with evil directly are, are the cause of a lot of evil in the world. I mean, you've probably heard of some of these guys like Father Gabriel Amorth. You know, he's probably one of the most well-known exorcists um, in the world. There's Father Jose Fortea. There's some some priests here that uh, are kind of making the rounds, telling other stories. Father Dan Rehill, Father Vince Lampert. Father Chad Ripperger, uh, Father Gary Thomas. I mean, um, so talk about an experience of evil and in the light of an, of an exorcism. There was one case a few years ago in Indiana where there was some claim phenomena going on. And so these people uh, went to <laughs> this hospital. So this nine-year-old boy in the presence of a family case manager and a hospital nurse, and I, and I think the priest, walked backward up a wall. In, in, in their presence. Oh, wow. And so they were like, we're obviously not dealing here with something that is just um, <clears throat> normal. So sometimes when you experience something like that, you might say, huh, uh, what does this point to? And if experiences, if this is like something evil, demonic, it probably points to that there's something fall from, from grace, which is God and good. There was a guy, the guy that, who actually made the movie The Exorcist, uh, William Friedkin, he directed it. He has a movie out called The Devil, the Devil and Father Amorth. So he got permission from Father Gabriel Amorth, who was the Vatican's top exorcist for years. He, he recently passed away to, to film a, a, a live exorcism. And it's not like, you know, the exorcist stuff. That, that's all Hollywood eyes. So you got to, you know, try and, you know, just, you know, just 
I guess, sift the chaff from the wheat there. That's not the way an exorcism usually goes. But just, you know, in this filming, it's typically an exorcism can go on, you know, over a period of, of years. It's kind of like a, you know, a weekly. Yeah, it's not a day. Yeah. It's yeah. not a three-hour affair. Yeah. But it was wild in this in this movie, uh, in the video clip, basically the, the priest is praying over this woman and all, all is well. But then as he gets into the prayers, all of a sudden something otherworldly comes about. Now, for all those experiencing that, you know, it kind of jars you because, I mean, it is an eerie voice. My wife's one of those that never wants to even look at anything like that because, you know, she can't get it out of her mind. But uh, but these experiences are happened. They're real. These guys are not wackos. They're telling real accounts. And um, I always remember the one story that Father Jose um, Fortea. So this is there's a movie out called The Exorcist in the 21st Century. And then I think uh, St. Ignatius Press has one called Interview with an Exorcist. And he had said that, uh, you know, normally most exorcisms, they're not like, again, Hollywood where there's all this, right. you know, phenomena that you would think yeah. of it. But he said that uh, one time he asked an ex-priest to accompany him to pray with him during this exorcism. And he said it, w- it was one of those times when <laughs> the actual person levitated during the exorcism. And he said that uh, it had a very strong impact on the former priest. I bet. You know, to kind of see that. But at the end of the day, it's it's the evil, it's the demonic that's behind, uh, you know, so much in our world that has been divisive and destructive. And I think about, just look at the 20th century and all the massive evils done in the name of atheism. And you really can sense that there was something lacking there. The Holocaust was the Ten Commandments in reverse, and, uh, you know, I think for many people, they can see that if we don't have God and if evil is allowed to reign, then, th- then there is going to be, it's just going to be chaos. So sometimes I think that can drive someone to a wake-up call, that if you don't experience the good, the light, maybe if you're experiencing the desolation and the darkness, it can make you long and desire for God. I mean, that uh, Russian novelist Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he was asked to account, you know, like for all this tragedy in Russia and and whatnot, and uh, they killed up like what sixty million people last century. He said, "I could not put it more accurately than to repeat: men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened." So, you think about, you know, we're in a society right now that so many people just are indifferent to God, but you know, whether we have the positive experience or the negative one. Um, I hope that we can kind of start turning our lives around to kind of getting back to him because, yeah. you know, then again, we're talking about reasons for God. It's He is the source, the center. He's everything. Yeah, and as long as we're talking about the evil one, that is his. There is that music. That's that's his deal too, right? Uh, that God, he can't be real. But more importantly, what he says, I'm not real. The evil one says, I'm not real. Don't worry about that uh, guy behind the, the curtain. Right. So one of our great exorcists in this archdiocese was Bishop Herman. Mm-hmm. And he tells us that the devil has power just because we give it to him. And one of the sources of that power, and you were mentioning it, is our society today. It's a spirit of unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. If you want to see the devil get out of the, get out of the life, uh, in your life and relationship, exercise forgiveness. Exercise forgiveness. It'll give you peace. It'll give everyone peace. We'll be back next week. Come and join us. Tell a friend, please.
You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. Thank you.